oh, you're having another kid? Good luck, buddy. Or we're going to baseball game on Saturday. We don't really talk about how hard it is. And dads today are more involved than ever. Hi, we are Colleen and Colleen. And we have made it our mission to spread kindness and make everyone feel like they belong. So each week we will share real life stories, motivating insights, and helpful tips that will inspire you to live a kinder, happier life. We believe that together we can make the world a much better place. Are you in? I'm in. Let's do this. Welcome to the You Fit Here podcast. Hi guys, it's CB. And CS. And welcome back to You Fit Here. We are really pumped about this episode because we are switching it up. You guys normally hear all about our motherly perspective in life and all of our tips and viewpoints. And we thought we need to bring a dad into the mix here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It can be a There's- little bit more relatable for all of our fellas and ladies to hear from a guy's perspective. Definitely. Perspective is everything. Everything. Our virtual friend Rob on the show. Rob is a lot of things. A notorious <laughs> game show contestant, a Chicago True. Merc futures trader, a Vegas poker pro, entrepreneur, father of three, podcast host, author, all these things. And we will get to that. But we found him from his podcast, Dad the Best I Can, and he talks all things fatherhood, gives so many great tips and insights and takeaways, and we are so thrilled to have you. Thank you, Rob, for joining us. Oh, thank you, Colleen and Colleen. I'm excited to be here. I know I know Scott from way back, your husband, so it's an, it's an honor to uh, connect with his now wife and, yeah, try to represent fatherhood. But all of that description, actually, my life does sound like Forrest Gump when you when you say it like that when you compress it into 30 seconds it's interesting but parenting expert I am not let me clarify that if you saw me on my first day of virtual school today we were like yelling at kids we just gave up after an hour so but I think it's like cool to keep it real and relatable I find I enjoy that kind of parent talk more than maybe an expert giving me like real advice so Mm -hmm. doing the best we can how often are they in the trenches living in that moment? Right, exactly. Like, I can't even relate to like my kids, my friends that have kids that are, mine are eight, six, and three, boy, boy, girl, and my friends that are like 12 and 10-year-olds, like we're still living in kind of a different world, even if they remember those days. Like I need you to be in it. I need you to like hear what that, that whining sounds like to really understand my life. So it's good to talk to somebody with kids around the same age. Mm-hmm. Totally. Rob's kids are basically the exact same age as ours combined. Mm-hmm. And so we are in the thick of it with you right now. But CS has like, first and foremost question for you. I do. So I was, of course, doing some minor stalking to learn as much as I could about you and listening to your podcast, etc. And I found a clip on YouTube where you were, um, it says that you are a notorious TV game show contestant, but I would really like to hear a little bit more about that from you. You know, that story happened in 1999, and I legitimately have not gone a week without somebody bringing it up randomly. (laughs) Like at the poker table, it used to be told. We used to go to the bars in Chicago, and my friends would use it as like pickup lines, like, hey, you know who this guy is? So, and and now it's been brought up again because I was on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire in 1999, hosted by Regis Philbin, rest in peace. We just lost him and he is the real deal. He is incredible. But I was on, I was actually like my second week of working at the Merck. So I 
somehow qualified to go on this game show, like kind of on like a McDonald's scratch off kind of thing. And I told my <laughs> boss at the time, I'm going to be on uh, a TV show. Nobody even really knew what it was then. It was like just brand new. And he's like, he didn't even believe me. I said, if I'm not on TV on uh, Friday night, Sunday night, then you can fire me. So I, I flew out to New York City from Chicago to go beyond Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, which then was like American Idol, like the number one show in the world somehow. And I just thought it would be a fun little free trip and did like the rehearsals. And even in the rehearsals, like the guy next to me was like a former Jeopardy champion. He was getting everything right. So I was just like, oh, I'm just going to sit here. But when they did the fastest finger, which is how you got in the middle to play with Regis at the time, I the question was like perfect for me. It was like, put these movies in geographical order. And I was like, oh my God, those are like two subjects I actually know. So I got the answer, got to the middle with Regis. I had my phone of friends, everybody like ready, like on call. Couldn't believe it. Like it was like the lights. I mean, I was 22 years old too. So it was nerve wracking for sure. But I was like, I'm not going to win a million. I'll come here, try and make like $8,000, like get up a little bit. And they, we do the little intro with Regis. We're, uh, we're just making small talk. And the first question for $100, the question was, on what animal did Hannibal cross the Alps? And you can see on YouTube, this clip is infamous. You can see my face, just like my eyes shoot up, like go, I like went white. If you ask me my name, when they asked me that question, I couldn't tell you because it was like the fight or flight thing where I just couldn't believe that this was the, I was expecting what color is the sky, what sound does a dog make. And the, the choices were uh, elephants, llamas, rhinoceros, and dog or something like that. And again, I was like, I, I don't know. I really just, I'd never heard of Hannibal. I didn't even know what it was. I just wanted to like get it over with. So I took the 50-50 to narrow down, which in hindsight was a terrible strategy to use because I knew it would be elephants or llamas. And those were the two choices they left me with. <laughs> and I think in my head, I was like, elephant, like Dumbo, you don't ride elephants. And I, to be honest, I really didn't give it much thought. I just wanted to get it over with. I wanted to get it right, move on, or I wanted to be out. And I said, oh, final answer, uh, llamas and i don't know you guys have now seen the answer but reed just gives his really long pause and he says robbie is that your final answer and i just sat there i was like yep 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 let's go and he's he's like robbie i'm sorry <laughs> the answer is elephants we've never even seen something like this happen before so he gets up and he like makes a little stink about it and it was i mean i was mortified at the time like i went backstage and i'm like and then I'm listening to the next guy, like for $8,000, like this sport is played with a bat and a ball and there's nine <laughs> innings. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So, <laughs> so it was uh, humbling and then really humbling when I flew back to Chicago and I was going to work like the next day at the Merck, which for people that don't know is like, you could, it's like in trading places, just super alpha chaos. And I knew I was just in for like a complete blasting and, uh, <laughs> Yep. I walked in and my boss had had his clerk at the time make like 50,000 copies at Kinko's of pictures of elephants and taped floor oh. to ceiling, every wall in the place. So I just walked in and I'm like, 
But luckily, the question was like pretty hard that most of the people in there didn't even know it. So I kind of, so it was definitely embarrassing, but it kind of got me known at work and like probably helped my career. Like if I'd have made 1200 bucks, nobody would have ever heard of me. So it was a good early lesson in like failing forward, failing fast and laughing at yourself. So, mm-hmm. you know, a year of therapy, I was, I was better after that. And then that, that there were some cool like post stories to that where I was on like E Entertainment flew me to New York to do a little piece on it. I was on like Lisa Gibbons in LA. So I got all these free trips. And then Rosie O'Donnell had a big talk show at the time in New York. And she, they called me and they said, Oh, we're going to do a little bit on Millionaire. We want to have you and this other guy who missed the first question on. And I was like, I'm done. Like, no more. And I told my friends, and they're like, No, you're going. Like, what are you doing? So I went to Rosie and it was really fun. We did like a little, like, five minute segment where she talked to us and then they went to commercial and they brought me and this other guy back to play like a mock game show, like with a whole set. And, uh, they gave us a bunch of questions. And the last question was, uh, what car company manufactures the civic? And I hit the buzzer. I was like Honda and the confetti falls from the sky. And she gave us both cars and like, uh, we give her a kiss. It was like an incredible little like ending to the story. So it did work out. That is amazing. Yeah. And such a good story. It is a good, yes, a good story. And if I just got like one question right, nobody would ever have heard the story. So I think. No, yeah. I, totally I do. Not. Yeah, I think sometimes you do need to like bomb in big ways to get, you, you get more out of it sometimes than, than playing it safe. For the record, totally. I believe I would have also gone with llama because elephant just seems too obvious. Mm. <laughs> Especially once it's narrowed down. I think I totally would have gone that route. Well, thank I, you. Yeah. So there. So there you go. Well, well, Llama, I think it was like four years later. Uh, remember that movie, Napoleon Dynamite? Yeah. That came out and there was a scene with a llama. And it was like the first time I think I actually saw a llama and realized it wasn't like a big camel. It was like a pet. And I was <laughs> yeah, like, oh, right. if I'd have seen this, I would have for sure known that like, clearly you can't ride this. But Llamas are popular nowadays. But in 1999, yeah. I do not think they got as much credit as yeah. they. I think it's something <laughs> I you learned in like... Camel. In like eighth grade, like my cousin was in like seventh grade at the time and they were studying that. So it's the kind of thing you either know or you don't. If you don't know it, you're, yeah. <laughs> right. Going to pick elephants. Don't go on a game show. Vice right. versa. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, wow. I would feel miserably either way. So still impressive to attempt it. Um, but all of this, your journey led you to fatherhood. Like you said, you are a father of three. So tell us all about fatherhood. Yeah, so I have a now eight, six, and three-year-old boy, boy, girl. And uh, we, my now ex-wife and I, we were in Las Vegas for 11 years. That's where we had all our kids. So that was an interesting thing. But I was kind of, I was playing poker professionally. That's what I did after Chicago trading. But I kind of ended up taking on more of a like stay-at-home dad role. My wife had a big career where she was traveling a bunch. And I was like, I had a flexible schedule. And we ended up moving to the Atlanta area where we live now. And she was like, again, taking on even a bigger role. So I kind of threw myself into this and, you know, I resisted it at first because, you know, it's weird going to the bus stop with the moms and like, I just don't have as much in common with them. But I kind of knew it was like, you know, I I heard a quote on the podcast where, uh, what does he say? He quoted Aristotle where he says, show me a child up until the age of seven and I'll show you the man. 
meaning that like the first seven years of a kid's life are so important and they like literally because your brain is like wiring so I was like well if I can be a part of it and even if I don't know what I'm doing like even though it is as you know parenting is a pretty thankless job and it's like mostly annoying and frustrating and you just have these moments (laughs) of reward but I kind of just started to accept it and then I you know it made me appreciate moms a lot more because I'm like man you guys have it tough but but yeah, it was fun. You know, I'd take them to the park, do everything that any parent would do. But it was, you know, it, it's hard. I mean, I've been a trader. I've been a poker player. Being a parent is the most challenging thing I think anybody can do because, again, you get no real feedback. You're kind of just like always saying no and yelling and you never think you're doing it the right way. It's just like, I mean, I walk around half the time. I'm like, is anybody seeing like, like, are you guys seeing what's going on here? So, but. Right. A good long-term investment. So it's uh, the best thing I've ever done, but definitely the hardest thing I've ever done. Definitely. And especially right now. So the pandemic hits and how does that all go down in your life? Yeah. Has it been insane or relatively smooth or? Yeah. It's It's weird that it started, what, like March? I remember they sent us Mm -hmm. home from school. We thought it was going to be some little thing. And now it's, I don't even know what, but uh you know, the kids have handled it really well. I actually, and I, as I mentioned before, I went through a quarantine divorce, which I don't really recommend to anybody, but we're now on like really good terms. And like, it kind of forces you to like group together and uh, really make sure the kids are, you know, content. I mean, I, I do feel bad for them that they're missing out on a lot of the social aspects. And like, I think the mental health toll on all this is going to be like, we haven't even scratched the surface on it. And it, you know, worries me. And I can imagine Colleen with older kids, like how challenging that must be because it is something where nobody's ever been through. So, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, do the best you can. They're on screens way too much. Like it drives me crazy, but I'm also like, everybody tells me their kids are too. And like, I don't, I just don't know how to fill 14 hours in a day, you know? So, so. Totally. I tuned into your, your screen time episode. Oh, I yeah. really loved it. And CB and I talk about, you know, it would just be a lot smoother if we can just leave our phones downstairs or just not near us so that we can actually invest in this going to bed thing. And then when you do, you realize, wow, what a difference that makes. So anyway, I yeah. I loved, I loved that. Well, it's funny. I, I So I interviewed, I always have dads on the podcast, but I had this woman, Nadia Strider on and we recorded it pre-pandemic. And I like, once all that started happening, I, I even emailed her. I was like, look, I can't even like, in a feel good about putting this out because we're talking so proudly about putting our phones down. And I'm like, my kids are on this so much. So we recorded like a little intro where she kind of said, like, give yourself a break. This is a strange time. Don't beat yourself up. So it's good to hear that because I don't know about you. Like my kids use screens, you know, I, uh, there's some people that like completely abstain, which I admire, but that's just not happening in our house. But I think like finding some kind of balance and where it's just you know that's more important to me and like relating to other people that kids are watching it I don't want to be judged for it I don't you know I want to do the best I can and have them not watching garbage which I look at what they're watching like yesterday and it drives me crazy and like uh, YouTube videos of these guys I'm like is this what you're gonna aspire to be that uh but you know they're eight and six so that's what they're gonna do and yeah just roll with it and 
Right. Every now and then do put the phone down because like you said, that's the only way I can really like get away from it. So I need it away from me. And when I do it, I'm like, God, this is like so much easier. So. Yeah. And you said today is your first day of virtual learning with your kids. Yeah. I was going to say like, once you got started, you have any tips or things that are working, but you're six hours in. So. <laughs> well, no, you, you do learn a lot, like even in that, because all the parents were very anxious and we we're on these, you know, I don't know if you're on these group texts, but I am not a fan and I tried to unsubscribe, but I haven't figured that out. But a lot of anxiety and I'm like, look, the first week is going to be a total cluster. Like, let's get through that. Nobody knows what they're doing. And even today, I think like I saw that the third grader, it was a little more regimented, but to ask a first grader, it's funny because he's on his screen all day, but to ask him to sit like us in front of a screen, listening to a teacher who's got questions coming, it's just unrealistic. So at a certain point, I was like, I hit the stop video mute button and I was like, go, go outside and play. You did good for today. So I think like really lowering our expectations and you know, I'm like, if we pass first grade, we'll be okay. So I want him. I think that's great. Yeah. Great advice. Yeah. yeah. Lower the expectations. That's usually good advice for a lot of things, but yeah, it's very, it's very challenging. And I tell you what, like I, the teacher on her drive home today, if she's not in tears, like it, I have such respect. I mean, that is a hard job right now. So I think it's just be, be patient, be kind of be kind to yourself, but don't expect it to go smoothly and just get through the day. Right. Amen. So amidst all of this crazy, just in fatherhood and of itself, our mission for our company is all about kindness and, you know, modeling this for our kids. Do you have those values for your kids? I mean, I'm sure you do, (laughs) but what are those great values you hold for your family? And then how do you try to instill those in your kids, especially in this time where, Social media is so different for our kids growing up now. I mean, your kids are still younger, but all of it, everything seems so like comparison driven and anxiety driven. And especially for parents judging each other, how they're all doing things. So how do you kind of keep a level head with your family and instill the values that you want in your kids? Yeah, it's definitely, it's unprecedented times. I don't think this is not normal, I don't think, but it is the new reality. And I have to say, I've followed you guys for a couple of years now, and what you're doing is, besides the fact of your message being incredible, and it's so timely now because there is so much just negativity, no matter what side you're on, you know, it's like even my friends that I agree with, it's just a lot of like complaining, and I'm like, can we just laugh a little and chill out? So I think that's very important, not to mention you guys are incredible on Instagram and all your creative creativity is very inspiring. I was like, I don't know where they find the time to do this, but props to you on that. Thank you. But yeah, I think it is like, it's an opportunity almost for us in this world to like kind of zero in on those values and say, end of the day, I want my kids to be kind to other people, to be good friends, to not, obviously don't want them to be the bully, but not just kind of tag along with this message that unfortunately a lot of kids are getting and again I can imagine if you're a teenager it's hard to resist especially on social media and and no matter what side you're on politically it's like we're both kind of you know throwing hate at the other side that I don't really want my kid doing that so it's it's tough I kind of I'm I'm pretty good at unplugging from the news like I don't I definitely miss out on some things and everybody's like how do you do that but 
a few years ago, I just decided or I read somewhere that like, it's just a better plan. So I try my best to do it. It's easier said than done. But yeah, I don't know. They're young. So right, just teach them to be good people and kind of hopefully they're playing together, that kind of thing. But right. And how you said those first seven years when all their wiring develops. I think that's so huge. And so many people kind of miss out on that, where they're just like, getting through the baby mode. Mm -hmm. And then I'm getting through this. And then we're going to send them to school without realizing how much they learn in those first seven years that it's like, oh my gosh, we have to be modeling this. And we look at adults nowadays, adults seem so much worse than the kids. And I'm like, we're talking about the stuff in front of our children. Why would we not expect our children to then go out in the world and act this way or think this way or talk this way about each other? And it's just so mind boggling when you see how adults act. And then we hold our children to a higher expectation. Yeah. As, I mean, even the stuff with the phone is I'm yelling him to get off the iPad as I'm scrolling my phone. And I'm just like, the hypocrisy drives me insane. But yeah, I think uh, it's, it's more challenging than ever. I'm sure every generation of parents has said that. But yeah, they do. Right. I mean, I, on the podcast, I can't tell you how many people come on there and say, your kids are not listening to what they're saying. They're modeling what you do, good or bad. So you have to like, and you're going to screw up 10 times a day, but you have to like get better at recognizing it. And even the other day, I'm sorry, I freaked out on you. That was not cool. I was just frustrated. Like, I think even little statements like that kind of help build that we're all human. We're going to make mistakes. And yeah, hopefully like they, they take that thing. I had a, I've had a psychologist on a few times, Dr. John Duffy. He's incredible. He talks a lot about uh, teenagers and especially in this kind of new age that we're living in. And he says so many kids that he sees in his practice, the like scariest, most terrible thought for them is becoming an adult. Like, cause they think we live this, you know, boring, worried, whatever life. And he's like, parents have to like, you know, live, they have to like show the show the kind of life that they want their kids to be because, you know, your kids are going to grow up and you don't want them, you know, trying to speed through it and those kind of things. So it's interesting to hear those kind of things. And today it's got to be more heightened than ever. Without a doubt. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you yeah, have any tricks, Colleen, 16 and 14 year old, how, what, what's going on there with them? Therapy. Like, what have you learned? <laughs> <laughs> Literally? No. Uh, it's really helpful actually. It, it's helpful that they're so different from each other because they can learn from each other. But I mean, no, every day is a struggle. But I, I started tuning into American Housewife recently. And something you just said made me think about like, my mom was a stay at home mom. And that's what I would tell my friends. That's what she does. And even then it was something that I was a little bit like, I wonder what she does all day. And working from home and finding that balance is enough. But my mom recently said, you need to give yourself more credit. It is nothing today like what it was for me. And it was hard for me. And so you don't you don't need to be in that mindset of like, why, why am I struggling so much? And why did people ever have five kids on purpose and asking all these questions? And then on this TV show, this woman throwing herself down in the middle of a parking space and saying like, I got a marketing degree from Duke. And it's like, okay, I'm not alone. And then everything you're saying makes me feel less alone. So no matter what ages your kids are, it's like, we're not alone. And that's why this is so helpful. I'm so glad. I'm so, just so happy to be talking to you about all this. Yeah. And, and I, what I find interesting is moms 
talk about this a lot more than dads. I think this rarely comes up with dads. I, I, all my friends have kids. We barely talk about them. It's like, uh, um, oh, you're having another kid? Good luck, buddy. Or we're going to a baseball game on Saturday. We don't really talk about how hard it is. And dads today are more involved than ever. And there's kind of no, I mean, to have your career and your kids and then maintain a relationship with your spouse and then hang out with your friends and then just everybody get away from me. I just want to be alone. Like that is a different maybe combo than our parents and other generations had to deal with. So I think knowing that you're not alone is like one of the most important messages. Like you can tell your friend or just hearing it. Like I've had a guy on the, on the podcast, he, he even said, he's like, uh, I, he told his friend, he's like, I know you don't want to hear this, but watching your kid freak out like this is makes me feel so much better that I'm not the only one that's like whose kid eats chips for breakfast. And like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it does make you feel less alone because when you're in it, it's very, it can be very isolating or like you were saying before, comparison driven where you're, if you're, I mean, those social media platforms, you're not seeing anybody's bad pictures or life. So even if you know that intellectually, it's still just coming at you all the time. And your kid is like, my, my three-year-old wouldn't wear pants to the you know, store the other day and is laying on the ground. And like, there, nobody's taking a, I took a picture of it actually, but I didn't post it on <laughs> social media. Like. But yeah, I think that just like ha- consuming all that cannot be super healthy for us. So we need to find like, I think the best way is to like connect with other people going through it is like that and, you know, some therapy and some other things. But just talking to your friends and it's awesome that you guys have each other. And I mean, I'm trying to get that word out to dads that like, you're not the only one going through this and we're nobody has it figured out. I think that's such an important point you made that moms talk about this stuff all the time. It's like mom life and we all kind of try to have each other's back or at least be there, but dads don't talk about it regularly. And my husband who, you know, he even like, we have these talks about parenting, but he's like, why would I ever know any of this stuff without just our example that we're going through in the moment? Like I wasn't brought up to like hold people's babies. And the first baby I held was my own. Like, it's just not an everyday conversation, which it totally should be. And you are making it that way with your podcast. It's called dad, the best I can. You guys, it's amazing. It is we as moms are listening to it and love it because we love to talk about our husbands. I mean, (laughs) Colleen and I do (laughs) because they're not listening all the time. So we can get away with saying whatever we want, but to have a place where he can go listen. And then I can also go listen and connect fatherhood from that other perspective, because gaining perspective for your other half or your co-parent or whatever is huge. Because if you can't do that, you're going to find a way to like, be at odds probably Mm -hmm. in your life so how did is that why you started your podcast so people would not be so alone yeah absolutely i mean i started it as like like any any business i'm sure you started yours to scratch your own itch i was like i was swimming and just like kids and i just moved to a new city and had a four month i was just like i need to talk to other guys i'm sure they're going through this too but like we don't talk about it so i started with Hey, why not start a podcast? I love podcasts. And it was like literally my best friend, then my neighbor, then four other guys. And literally on the second call, I was like, I'm onto something here. Cause like they were saying things that I've known these guys my whole life. I've never heard them open up about it. And it was really cool. I think they also appreciated like 
that dialogue because they weren't having it with anybody else. So, and we, we still keep it light and funny and we're, you know, talking about other stuff, but like, I do try to ask a few questions that selfishly I just want to know about, you know, like a big example is this three kids versus two, which we had our third kid. We didn't really know, you know, I, I guess it's harder, but, and I even say, in the book, I had to do the math. It's actually 50% more to have three kids than two. And I was just like, am I just being soft? Like, this can't be that hard. You got the middle child syndrome and every dad I talk to with three or God Colleen more, it's like, oh yeah, it is absolutely a game changer. It's like the most not talked about thing, especially among dads. So just hearing that again, make, made me feel better. And those little kind of things, like I can relate to that or, you know, I think that that helps. So that's kind of that's kind of why I started it. And then I went a little ambitious and asked uh, Jesse Itzler, who I was a big fan of on Instagram, and I took his Build Your Life resume course. I was like, "You're amazing. You're running hundred mile races, starting companies. You're married to Sarah Blakely. You're like, how are you doing all this with four kids under ten? And he he kind of talks about it, but I hadn't really heard him talk about his dad life too much, and he. I reached out to him like through kind of the ways that he teaches on Instagram direct message and send him a personalized gift, all these little things. And he actually, he wrote back to me. He's like with the CC'd his assistant, like schedule this. I want to do this podcast. So I was like, holy crap, this guy's going to be on here. I was so nervous when it, the day finally came. I was like, my audio is going to cut out, but he was totally cool. And he like, I mean, he said, 10 things that I was like writing down that I kind of was able to use that week. So once I had him on, that made me a little more confident to go after bigger guests. Like, you know, I was new to Atlanta. I was kind of job hunting. I was like, yeah, the CEO of this company has four kids. Why not ask him about what it's like? And they were all excited to talk about it because I don't think anybody really, especially for dads, they don't get that opportunity to. And, you know, we all pay lip service to at the end of our life, we don't care about how much money we made or how much, how our businesses did. Like it's our family and our friends, but the, the guys are not really talking about it. So I was like, let's maybe this can be a, like a relatable way to open up that conversation. And it's been, you know, it's been fun and rewarding. And like, what I really like about it is, and I, I, I started it also because I was a guest on a podcast. And when I was done, I was like, man, this is a really cool feeling that they gave somebody like a, outlet and these aren't even necessarily celebrities that talk all the time this is my neighbor down the street that all of a sudden is able to talk for an hour on a podcast and now he's in a new book like it's just like cool to give people their their voice that little piece of legacy so i think you know it's really exciting and fun to help other people and share their stories i know that's something you guys do and like this is a good it's been a great platform to do it Absolutely. And it's such an untapped market. Like you said, all these guys have this huge part of their life, but they're not talking about it. They're talking about their career or sports or something else. Right. The successful men out there probably think, oh, this is what you want to talk about because it's what everybody wants to talk about is, oh, how did you become so successful? And then no mention of the kids. So how, I don't even know what the word is, but when you said that, it's like, wow, like that is probably the biggest part of their life that they have to kind of keep shut down because it doesn't help them build their business to talk about their kids. But really that's like who make that person who they are. So I love that you're giving guys the opportunity to do that. And we love it too. We find it to be so relatable. 
Yeah, I think it's, and I do think, as you know, like now there's so much about building your brand and like they want to know the person. So I think people are more excited, like, oh, I can show like my favorite comedy movie is old school and I took my kids to this. Like that makes me, I interviewed uh, David Cancel. He's a CEO at Drift, which is like a software as a service. And like the guy is the coolest guy I ever met. And like that makes me probably want to buy his product too. And I'm sure he knows that on some level. But like, I think getting to know kind of the people, you know, we make all of our purchases like based on emotion, right? And based on, it's not the product or, you know, everything is more or less the same. It's how something makes you feel or how somebody makes you feel. So I think it's neat that guys can talk about this, this part of their life that like, clearly they're going home and it's like a circus at home, you know, like they don't need to not talk about it. It makes me like you more when I hear your, your failures and that kind of thing. So, yeah. I totally agree. And you take away these two minute dad tips on your episodes or have people give you them. So we are going to ask you, what is your number one dad tip? Mm, That's a good one. And I actually didn't have one until I decided I want to, in the middle of this quarantine, write a book because I had all this content. So I was like, well, I have to add mine in there. So it's a collection of little tips and nuggets from the podcast, like the best parts. But my tip that I put in the book that, you know, more important when you have young kids is this idea of, you know, we all suffer from like the paradox of choice, especially now there's 58 shows on Netflix. There's so I, what I learned and my friend told me this on the podcast is you want to give your kids two choices, both of which you're okay with them, them asking, you don't want to have them scrolling Netflix, which they might still do. But like when I'm at my best, it's do you want to watch wild Kratz or do you want to watch curious George? And they have to pick one of them. Do you want to eat four chicken nuggets from McDonald's or six? You know, like, which I'm not proud to be ordering, but it's happening. So I want to, like, have them make these decisions that are easier. And it it really works or it just helps kind of streamline the thing because there's just too much choice today. And you need to, like, find ways to you need to find ways to make your life easier. And I think this is like a good win win where even I'll even like yesterday for dinner, that's, there's broccoli there. I know he's not going to eat it all, but he wants to be done. He hasn't touched it. I'm like, you can eat six pieces or two. And he's like, well, two. And like all of a sudden he's eating his broccoli. And I'm like, oh, dad of the year, let's go. I'm done. So I'll accept my trophy. Yeah, yeah. I think like really just having kind of more structure and boundaries on these decisions. And, and again, like your husband said, dads don't know any of this stuff. I guess moms have kind of picked up some of these tricks, but like, if we're involved as, as involved as we are, we need to learn some of these kind of little hacks or just ways to keep us from going insane. So that's like the best part of hearing these tips is like, it's something that you can actionably use to like make bedtime easier tonight, which as we all know, is like maybe the hardest part of the day for young kids and parents. Thousand percent. And that's so true. I think my husband, he's learned so much now with the kids being at a certain age. And I don't know if it's also like gender too. Like we have two boys and they fully are obsessed with dad. They want to do things like dad. I'm definitely bad cop, (laughs) but I'm okay with that. But then I have friends who dad has three girls and they're learning how to treat women and how to do, you know, we're so responsible for how we're modeling these things. And if we can pick up these tips along the way and not totally go into it blind, then you're setting yourself up for so much more success and 
you know, comfort feeling like, yes, he feels this way. I feel this way. I'm not crazy. And I think it's amazing. Everything you're doing. So your book, you compiled a bunch of lessons from the podcast and I just ordered it. It should be here actually today. I think I'm really excited. Yeah, I, I actually, I just got mine in the mail yesterday. You want to talk about like scary hitting, you know, hitting publish on a podcast is scary. I hit publish on, here's my book. I just got it in the mail. It's like actually like kind of big and it's got some weight. So I was like, holy crap, this is awesome. But I was like so terrified. And I even, there's a whole like concept as an entrepreneur, like start before you're ready and just put stuff out there. So I kind of had a deadline on this book with a friend. He's like, you're, you're publishing that thing on August 1st. I don't care what it's like. And the first time I hit publish, like I looked at the Kindle version and I legitimately spelled something wrong on the cover. I spelled entrepreneur <laughs> wrong, which I still don't know how to spell. But like, it was this feeling of like, oh my God, I got to correct this. So it went live and I was able to fix it. That's like a neat thing you can do now. But yeah, the book is just 52 dads and uh, they all have a tip, but they also, a lot of them are a little more in depth where they're talk about like, uh, is there really work-life balance or, you know, I have four kids, like the importance of scheduling one-on-one time with them or even like uh, this Dr. John Duffy talks a lot about why dads need to, you know, the importance of friendship and how they really deteriorate as dads get older and moms don't really have that as much because they have yoga or Pilates or their girlfriends and dads are kind of like job. And then, and he's like, this is contributing to earlier mortality rates in men. So it's like, as we're taking on more stuff, I think we need more tools and more kind of camaraderie around it. So, you know, it's just fun for me. I had all this content and I'm like, this would be cool in a book. And yeah, it's been awesome. I'm, I'm proud of it and I'm excited. And all the guests are like fired up to be a part of it and share it. So I think it can be, it can be a good, I mean, I never know what to get for a dad on Father's Day or Christmas or Hanukkah. So it's like an easy buy. It's funny. You know, like that's part of my, like, I love comedy and I'm like, you have to make people laugh and you have to self-deprecate and things. So uh, there's a lot of that in there. You see a glimpse into like my chaotic life, but really you hear from like these other dads that are all going through it. And it's pretty cool when you like hear a guy that owns the Atlanta Hawks, like talking about like the craziness of bedtime at his house. It's a neat, it's a neat thing. So I'm excited to share it. It's got to be on all the like baby shower stuff too for yeah. dad's about yeah. to go into it. You're giving me ideas. Yeah. I'm, I'm, giving me ideas. I'm getting one for Doug for Christmas for sure. Yeah, whoever knows yeah, what to get for, for a guy. Yeah, I, I, I love that. Yeah, I never know what uh, people ask me. I'm like, I don't know. Just give me a night off. That's what I'll take. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Free babysitter. I love. I, I love your um your tip that you shared. I I feel like I've tried to do that over time, and the reason that I try to do it is because people always tell me your kids like to feel like they're in control, but you can't necessarily let them be in control if it's not in their best interest. And so the way you put it, and the way I thought about it. It just makes even that much more sense. So I, um, I thank you for sharing that. I love yeah. it. Yeah, you guys have known this for a while. It's taken. I'm like, oh, that's a good one. I'm going to use that. So I will say that to the moms: share this stuff with your husbands because we're we want to learn too, and we're kind of we're not hearing it from the same place as you are. So in all that totally in all that free time we have to sit and relax and talk, right? It's just like by the time the kids are in bed, somebody wants to crash or you want to watch TV and not talk. So there aren't many really even opportunities for even like parents to talk about this stuff so you got to find it where you can and what i find like with podcasts and with books it's like if you get 
one thing out of a 30 minute or an hour listen or read, like that's pretty valuable. So. Absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree. I remember when I was pregnant with our first and someone gave me this tip and they said, don't like hover over your husband's shoulder when he's feeding the baby or doing something like don't constantly make him feel like he's doing it wrong. Let him help figure out it or figure it out in his way. But then you also don't set him up to fail either. Like here I'm leaving, just figure it all out. Like if we can stop kind of like, well, he's not doing it right. Or we set each other up to fail, especially dads. And I learned that with my husband, I'm not telling you you're doing this the wrong way, but I've learned that this tip helps. Or he says it to me all the time because I end up like bickering with my six-year-old because we're the same personality. (laughs) He's like, you are not his sibling. (laughs) You are his peer. Stay calm. He's way more calm than I am. But when you come at each other from like a helpful perspective and not a like you're ruining our kids right. <laughs> perspective and you co-parenting with your ex-wife now like you have to master that for sake of your kids because if our kids just see their per- parents bickering and judging each other then we're not setting a good example all along the way yeah absolutely and I do think even what you said of like I told even my sister when she had her kids I was like just you can leave the house he'll figure it out I think like giving dads like we can actually feel empowered if there's not anybody watching or judging us so i do think and you know selfishly it's good for us because we're like booking a little like us time too but i'm like get out of here like we'll figure it out it'll be probably crazy but the kid's not he'll be fine so i do think yeah moms like be easier on your husbands like empower them to do stuff and they'll be more we'll be more excited to if we're getting judged we're just gonna be like all right i don't know how to wash the dishes i'll just like go watch tv so Absolutely. Totally. You and I think that's important. The old my oldest is 16 and my husband is at work all day, but I'll tell him about something and he'll, you know, sometimes if you take a shot at me, it, it depends on like where I am in my day and how I'm feeling, how my children are making me feel, but if he comes at me like, "Can I just give you some constructive criticism?" Like you're letting him walk all over you, and I'm so much more likely I it's true and how he approached it. So, I feel like when they get older and if they're boys, you need your husband or his perspective. And if you work along the way, it'll be so much like he'll want to give that perspective and then you can receive it so much better too. If you have been trying like hand in hand the whole time. So I think that's good advice. Yeah. And it's hard. Even when you just said that, like, can I give you constructive criticism? We naturally like our defenses go up. I'm like, Oh great. What are you going to say? You're going to judge me. So it's, it is also like the the way you choose your words, which I've learned, you know, like, what do they call it? Like couching or sandwich. Like you need to like start with, you know, you did you did so awesome with him. One thing I, you know, whereas if you start with the, can you just like pick up this stuff? I'm, I'm shut down and I'm defensive. So like those little things make a big difference and we're all, we're all guilty of it. So it, it needs like, it needs practice. But we're, as yeah. guys, we're much more receptive when like, you throw in a little bit of, you know, sugar. So yeah, mm-hmm. totally. My my sons have like certain desserts or meals that we have now buttered Scott up to thinking he is like the master chef. Uh, <laughs> and really like, I just don't want to cut up a bunch of bananas and then melt chocolate because he's created fondue parties. And I'm like, that's a lot of effort for me on a daily basis. So like, that's dad's special treat. 
and he knows he wears his little medal with pride. Like, <laughs> yes, I am the fondue master here. And I'm like, good, because I'm never doing it. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. And it gives it it's his thing. And it's like always yeah. making the kids happy. So that's good. That totally. they have that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, beyond an author, podcast host, you are also the co-founder of kickstartreading.com. Tell us all about this. Yeah. A um, couple of years ago, my sister, she was a kindergarten teacher and my kid was going into kindergarten and I was trying to teach him to read to try and catch up and I had no idea what I was doing. And I called her. I was like, can you help? Like, can you make a, like a one minute video of how you're supposed to say a word? Cause I couldn't explain it. And she made a little video just on her like PowerPoint and it was working and it was really short. And I was like, if you made more of these, could we maybe turn this into a business? And she was excited too. So Two years later, we now have like a hundred two-minute videos. We keep them super short, and they're designed to help teach your kids how to read. And uh, yeah, especially in today's today's age of virtual school, it's like a really good thing for kids age. We say age like three and a half to seven. So if you're learning how to read, it's a great tool. You don't have to Google a bunch of stuff. You don't have to read some book. It's like this little video. You get this win feeling. And as a parent too, I like that it's super simple and it like makes you, I mean, selfishly, I was like, this made me feel like a good parent. I'm like teaching him to read by showing him this little video. So it was a neat thing for dads. And, you know, we are starting to get bigger with the new kind of wave of school and uh, we're on Instagram at kickstart reading and kickstartreading.com. And I actually, we made a code for all your listeners out there. So if you use the code every kind, uh, you get 20% off any of the products in there, the videos, and Lauren's now printing away. She's hard at work creating like activity packs, which I tell you what, we had sitting around, it was like a scavenger hunt around the house. And 15 minutes later, my kid is, because that's, I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to entertain them or come up with activities. So like when something is done for you or easy, that makes it a lot easier. I'm like, did our parents like design all these games and activities? No, they said go play, but somehow... It seems like as parents, it's our job to create a lot more of the entertainment and education. So this is a neat, a neat thing. And, you know, might help my kindergarten to learn to read. My second kid was like star reader in his class. And I was like, we did these videos. So I'm going to say it's kickstart reading that helped because otherwise I wasn't going to be doing anything. So it's a really simple, easy thing you can do. And, you know, it's a hard time when your kid's like four or five and in school and struggling and that's the other thing, like they push how, you know, it's too young to be teaching these kids a lot of this stuff. But like, uh, you go to kindergarten teacher meeting, they're no joke. It's like, unfortunately, kindergarten is a new first grade in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So any advantage you can get to help just build their confidence up, I think is important. And, and this is a neat way to do it. Yeah, totally. I love it. My older one who's going into first reading just came really easy for him at first. He was just, and I didn't even try to teach it. It was just like, he started reading something off of a book or the TV. I don't remember. And I'm like, what just happened? Like, (laughs) is this for real? And now my younger one, who's only 18 months younger than him thinks that he should be reading too, because they're so close in age. And he just gets frustrated because, well, the older one can do it. So it's my turn to read a book. And then he's like, frazzled and angry that he's not just reading the same piggy and elephant book that the older one's reading. And I'm like, you're not even supposed to be there yet. Like, it's okay. And here's this other thing we can do so you can feel confident about it and have fun with it and not 
just angry that you can't do what your brother can do at the moment. Yeah, that's that is good. They're very competitive, and also as a parent too, it's we're not teachers, most of us, you know, and don't know how to do this. Like I can read you a bedtime story, but if I have to teach you what a sight word is, like I'm struggling here. So any like easy help you can get, I think is important. And again, makes you feel like you're, you're doing something good for your kids. So I think that's the best part of how it makes you feel. Well, it's obviously widely known because my kinder, well, she's in first grade now, but last year, um, my daughter used kickstart reading and I was looking around just a little bit ago and I love, I mean, there's an awesome blog and there are free printables and things like that, but even just like talking about the sight words, cause I'm not good at like the uh, sat, sat because she can't hear what I'm, I'm not good at that. Yeah. And so the videos on this, the, I, I totally respect and understand why her teacher wanted them to use this program. So we had a school login and then that's different than what I would do just from home for, for she and I, but it offers so much. And really the frustration is just taken right out of it. So I can personally say that this is an amazing program. And I don't even think I really know half of what it offers just looking around. So, well, thank you. Uh, Lauren's going to hear this. She's going to be so excited because she, she's working hard at it and she's got three kids of her own. So she loves the like success stories and we get these messages or she'll get them on Instagram. Like my kid is reading now and that just makes it all worthwhile. So it's it's been fun and it's fun working with your sister you know we really like figured out a good business kind of way to relate to each other so it's been it's been fun and just out of personal wonder are you two the only siblings or do you have other siblings yes just us two i don't know why i thought i could handle three but it's uh yeah it's just the two of us she's four years younger she's down in south florida and i'm in roswell but uh, yeah, so a lot of WhatsApp chatting and can you edit this Instagram caption, that kind of stuff. I'm like, I'm good yeah. at that. You do the hard part and create it and I'll like tighten it up, right? So much, yeah, I'm really. telling you, I get your emails and I'm like, there's a lot of work that goes into like the design, the copy. It's like things people don't realize, but it, it makes a big impact. So big respect to what all you guys right. are doing. We can relate because we're long distance. Oh, yeah. Yeah, also. My husband and his brother still work out of the same office too. And I think it's so amazing when you can still have that family connection as adults. Yeah. Well, my sister, if you asked her, she would say, oh, you were so mean to me. I was, so, <laughs> you always said how annoying I was. I'm like, well, when I'm 16 and you're 12, you're always going right. to, it doesn't matter how cool you are. But I think after college, we kind of started getting closer. And then, you know, even 15 years later, like we had this business idea and said, oh, this this probably won't work, but why not try it? And then two years later, it's working. And we kind of just, you know, I just really respect what she does. And she's like, knows my skills, you need to find somebody that can complement your skills, you don't want to like have the same thing. So I'm like, I have no idea how to teach, but like, I can help you rig up this website and come up with like a cool caption for it. So yeah, I love that. I think it's so, so cool to keep stuff in your family. And Colleen and I, we are opposite. We're so alike in some ways, but we're so opposite where our strengths are each other's weakness at times. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and when you really know the person so well with a sibling dynamic too, like if you know them, how they operate, what comeback they're going to have, you know, yeah. like it makes things flow so much easier. And I, so, I don't know I how that. you and Colleen like communicate long distance. We use WhatsApp. It's just our easiest way. But like we can tell that like there's always like great job like you have to it's kind of the same thing you have to do with your kids like 
you have to be like, thank you so much for doing that. Cause those things really just like, they help you get through it because it's not usually the thing you want to be doing. There's usually complete chaos going on around you, which ironically is like, I don't know if you guys feel this, but it's kind of when I get I'm most productive sometimes because my, my day is such a disaster that I'm like, I need to get this chapter done, this book edited. And I don't know how I do it, but like then I can go to sleep like, all right, it was it was something productive today, but yeah. Yeah, we're the same way. We rebranded our company in I think three weeks because we're like, mm-hmm. oh, if we're doing it, we're doing it, let's go. Yeah. And yeah. we work well under pressure. Not that we should always work under pressure, but. Well, you're a parent. No. That's like always how you're pretty much totally. going to be acting, so. I yeah, think we it don't trains know. you well. This the last few months have been really, really, really great months for us, and with our kids at home to boot. So I think we work like better that way, maybe. Yeah. But then again, my kids aren't in school, so I promise I'll keep working great hours. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> now that you have freedom, well, thank you so much, Rob. Tell everyone all the places they can find you and support and follow along. Yeah. So kickstartreading.com if you've got kids ages three to seven, and use the code every kind to get 20% off anywhere. And if you're a dad, I don't know how many dads are listening to this, but definitely people that know dads, spouses, uh, dad the best I can, book. I'm so excited to show it off because it's like a real thing. Pick it up on Amazon. It was Kindle and I made it a paperback too. So you can grab it there and it's a great gift. And I think again, like if you take one or two things from it, like that's, that's a win. So I'm happy to... I'm happy to share it and I'm happy to share all of these dads cool stories too. And your podcast tell us your news about Jesse Itzler. Oh yeah, so that's it's funny how so many things like happen at once amidst the chaos and uh so Jesse is starting up a new radio station almost like a mini Spotify where he's got music and he's got uh podcasts and he's going to be live streaming a lot of his stuff. He's like insane. Like he'll run a 100-mile race and he's an incredible follow on Instagram, even if you're not doing this because he's got his kids like right there with him. So he's starting this B Y L R radio, build your life resume radio. And they pick 10 podcasts to feature on it. And dad, the best I can is one of them. And there's a, there's a mom one too. It's called who's your mama podcast. That's going to be coming out with an incredible mom. And she interviews like people, your mom to like hear about their story. How did you raise Colleen? That kind of thing. So uh, a lot of other good content and Jesse, like anything he touches, like he's all in on. So I'm excited to be a part of it. It starts end of August. So, so I don't know where it's going to go, but I'm like, if you're doing it and you want me, I'm in. So it's going to be I'm fun. In. Yeah. Congratulations. Well, congratulations. That is so exciting. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for having me guys. Yeah. I'm, I'll put everything in the show notes so that they can follow oh, yeah. you on Instagram and find your podcasts and everything like that too. So be on the lookout and- guys. Buy the book. Birthdays, Father's Day, holidays are all coming up, and dads are going to love it. Thank you so much, Rob. Thanks, Colleen and Colleen. It was fun. Yay.